Welcome to Tashma, the podcast where you get to listen in on Hadar's Beit Midrash. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip. Each week this year, we will hear a Dvar Torah on the weekly Parsha from our Rosh Hashiva, Rabbi Aviva Richmond. Let's listen. Shemitah, a restrained and wild love. Shemitah is considered one of the hardest mitzvot. The Torah itself is aware of the impracticality, particularly in the Jubilee year, when people will wonder what they will eat after neglecting agriculture for two years in a row. It seems impossible that the system of Shemitah and Yovel were practiced, even in temple times. A major theme in rabbinic teachings about Shemitah is how one who is observing Shemitah should interface with someone who is not, thus revealing that many, maybe even most, Jews were unable or unwilling to exercise this level of restraint. But the mitzvah might not only be about inculcating discipline to the extreme. We can also understand Shemitah and Yovel as mitzvot meant to inculcate an extreme love. Many mitzvot ask us to exercise discipline, but few require us to be in an ongoing state of disciplined restraint for a whole year. Shemitah requires us to hold back constantly, day in, day out, all year. A Midrash in Vayikra Rabbah describes being in this constant state of mitzvah for so long as superhuman. It makes us like angels. Baruch Adonai Malachav Giborei Choach Devaro Yishmoa Bekol Devaro Bless God, God's angels, heroes of strength, who do God's word. About what is scripture speaking? Said Rabbi Yitzchak, scripture speaks of those who keep Shemitah. Usually a person does a mitzvah for one day for one week, for one month, but not the other days of the year. But this one sees their field barren, their vineyard barren, and gives the Roman tax in silence. Is there a greater hero than this? The verse in Psalms is clearly speaking of angels, malachim, but Midrash applies it to people, people who demonstrate great strength. The ability to hold yourself back from tending to your source of income for a whole year even as you have to pay unjust taxes, is nothing short of heroic. Most mitzvot are not so demanding, asking us to restrain ourselves for a much more fleeting interval. The strength described here is not the aggressive might of a battle, but an inner strength, as we battle against our own desires and instincts. This kind of restraint blurs the boundaries of our humanity as we leap towards the angelic. Angels have to hold back. Like the angels God silenced at the sea, admonishing them, how can you sing when my creations are drowning in the sea? We sometimes have to restrain our emotional responses. Ironically, God silenced the angels at exactly the moment that Israel sang their song of the sea, and their very human song explicitly celebrated those drowning Egyptians. There is a stark divide between angels and humans in this scene at the sea, for Israel, this was the exact opposite of a moment for restraint. It was catharsis and emotional release. Yet, in the reception history of this midrash, leader interpreters demand that we, too, be like the angels. We have to check our emotional instincts and take stock of a fuller picture. We restrain our joy on Passover, as we do not recite a full hallel for most of the holiday, and remove wine from our cups at the Seder. This restraint of emotion is akin to the stoic landowner who watches silently as others reap the fruits of their labor. As humans who strive to be like angels, 
We cannot afford to be overly consumed by our own interests, our own narrative, no matter how redemptive it might feel. This restraint isn't only about developing personal character and virtue. It has a real impact on others. Landowners would invest in their own field for six years and then become detached, letting others take from the harvest. On the one hand, the silence of the landowner depicted in the Midrash is an image of resignation, suffering under an oppressive taxation regime that has no respect for observance of Shemitah. But we can also picture the silent landowner watching as community members freely sustain themselves from what naturally grows from the field and vineyard. This hero has learned what it means to devote their time and resources to something, only to see what others will do with it. Rather than resignation, or maybe alongside it, this could be a posture of curiosity, an investment in others. In Shemitah, a landowner lets go of controlling the fruits of their labors. They see what other people do with their investment. The restraint of Shemitah might lead to generative learnings. What outcomes can emerge from my investments when I let go of control? What impact can I have when I feel no more attachment to my own benefit than to anyone else's? When I feel just as invested in how others might access what I have so carefully tended. The Shemitah of restraint sits alongside a very different reading of Shemitah. Shemitah is radical and seems impractical. Rather than a stoic exercise in careful discipline, we might view this as an act of wild abandon. Ahava mekalkelet et When we are in love, it can be totally destabilizing and lead to irrational choices as we try somehow to channel the intensity of our passion. Like the landowner who gazes at his fallow field and vineyard during Shemitah because he knows that something matters more than his own immediate gain. There is a story of one sage who voluntarily gives up his field, his olive orchard, and his vineyard so he can study Torah. His student weeps over the irresponsibility of this irrational decision, worried his teacher will have nothing to eat in his old age. The Midrash in Reikar Rabbah concludes, When Rabbi Yochanan died, his generation recited over him a verse from the Song of Songs. If a person offered all their wealth for love, they would be laughed to scorn. For Rabbi Yochanan loved the Torah. Rabbi Yochanan gave up all of his land so he could study Torah. The Midrash is not advocating that we all be like Rabbi Yochanan. It explains his actions as stemming from an intensity of love that might even go too far to be ridiculed rather than modeled based on the end of the verse from the Song of Songs. But it is an important foil to the Stoic Shemitah observer. Rabbi Yochanan represents the opposite of restraint as he detaches his, himself from his land. His overflowing attachment to Torah drives this irrational and perhaps irresponsible choice. Love can be destabilizing. In light of this Midrash, we might understand some of the extremity of Shemitah from a different perspective. God's love for freedom, Ukratem Dror, stands behind Shemitah and Yovel. And it may seem to be going overboard, but we can learn from this that our passion for the values we want to actualize also needs to be so intense that it is not overly constrained by, quote-unquote, what works. Sometimes we have to let ourselves be driven by our passion in an almost maniacal way. Often, we let ourselves love with wild abandon when it comes to our children or our life's passions. The idea of placing reasonable boundaries on how we express that love would feel totally anathema 
We invest because we cannot imagine anything else. We invest solely to manifest our love. God has this kind of wild passion for a reality of freedom where there is no human subjugation. This is the same wild passion Rabbi Yochanan felt about Torah. If we want the things we care about most to exist, this kind of wild destabilizing love has to have room for expression that might not translate into a seven-year Shemitah and 50-year Yovel, but there must be an outlet for the quality of this wild, untamed love. Shemitah teaches us to restrain ourselves in unimaginable ways, and Shemitah teaches us to love without bounds. We have to sit at the fulcrum of these abilities. Through both of these modes, we come to see our fields, our investments, through a broader, more empathic lens. Ideally, all who need will be able to access the fruits of our labors, like in the Shemitah year when all have access to the produce of the fields. But if we haven't reached that level of impact yet, we must find the ways to strengthen our capacities for the discipline and the unbounded love that will get us there. Shabbat Shalom. That was The Bell Niggin by Joy Weisenberg. Shabbat Shalom. This episode of Tashma was produced by Jeremy Tabak and Sam Greenberg. I'm your host, Rabbi Avi Killip. It's been a pleasure to learn with you.